We continue the player capsules in the backcourt. This time we talk about rookie James Booknight. Plus we take a look at some of the NBA draft prospects in this year's class. That's coming up today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast it's a Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We are in a dungeon. We are mass producing content for everybody. We are in the same exact outfit. Our camera is in the same exact angle as what was in the previous episode. I guess Doug is doing Kung Fu. That's me karate chopping content. Okay. Is there a reason you decided to karate chop content as if we were mass producing it? I just because it's flying, it's flying at us very quickly, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to to handle it all. That's true. Very. I don't want any content to hit you in the face. (laughs) Thank you. I need to. uh, I need to defend myself with all this content. And today we're gonna have to defend ourselves from this James Book Night content. That honestly, Doug, you know, not a a lot to talk about as far as what he did on the court because he only played north of 30 games but there is a lot to talk about as far as the projection about how good you felt during those games so let's dive into it as always we start with the, with the what went right conversation and i think you have to look at individual games maybe if you wanted to look at some moments that were i don't know i think maybe showed up in every one of those games that's fine but the first thing that we saw from him That was really good. I think you can go back to that game against Philadelphia on December 6th. He played 22 minutes. They lost by three points, but he went four of eight in that game. That actually, I think, saw him get more minutes. And remember, the Hornets had some injuries that they were dealing with at the time that gave Booknight an opportunity. And then we saw the explosion against Sacramento. And that was like, all right, maybe this is the thing that allows Booknight to play quite a bit for the rest of the year. He goes nine of 14 in that game. He hit six of his eight three-pointers that he took, got six rebounds, scored 24 points total in that contest. Then the next game against Dallas, they get destroyed, then have a good shooting night, plays two minutes the next night against San Antonio. And by that time, he has some spot appearances here and there, but doesn't really show up again until uh, maybe in January. I'll, I'll let you talk about that initial burst onto the scene for James Book night before eventually he went to the bench again. Well, so we have to add the context. This came at a point during the season where the Hornets were missing multiple starters because of uh, COVID absences. They were missing LaMelo Ball, Mason Plumlee. Uh, I believe Terry Rozier was also out. Um, so, you know, they, they were missing multiple pieces. And James Booknight really came in and delivered what I think – had they made had they made the playoffs, I would have pointed to it as like one of the most important wins of the season, and that seems strange that it would come against the Sacramento Kings. But it was diff- it was during this point of the season that I called the valiant effort season, where they were giving it all they had. They just didn't have enough firepower to win some of these games. But the fact that they got this win at Sacramento prevented a long, long losing streak. Uh, so it was a, a hugely important win, and, and James Booknight. Uh, was was a big part of it. And I think what went right for Book Knight this season is that when when he was playing well, he really showcased all of the different things 
that he can do offensively and really opened your eyes to like, oh, Booknight can be an elite scorer at this level. And I don't know that a lot of people that watched him very closely at Connecticut, you know, would have doubted that necessarily. But I think a lot of us that didn't watch him incredibly closely there, they get opened our eyes like, yes, this guy can score at all three levels. Um, you know, will he, will he realize that potential? That's That remains to be seen, but he can. The dude gets at the rim, <clears throat> excuse me, gets to the rim at uh, an elite level. And that's yeah. what, what was celebrated most from him coming out of UConn. I think you saw that on display in uh-huh. some of his best moments. The three-point shot is the one thing you hope becomes more consistent. He showed it in that game against Sacramento. I, I think to provide more context, Doug, as you were mentioning, that being an impressive win for them. Remember, it, it's all the more impressive because they got destroyed by 30 earlier in, in the yeah. season when they started to have that losing streak and they had that awful West Coast road trip. Sacramento put the beat down on them by 30, and then they mm-hmm. got revenge and won by a single point. With thanks Booknight. to thanks to Deer and Fox missing two free throws. It was yeah. a lucky. It was a little bit of a lucky win, <laughs> but they got the win. Yeah, I mean that's that it was, but at least we needed some luck at that point. You know, the Charlotte yeah. Hornets had all, all the COVID stuff happen to them at that point. But as I mentioned, Doug, eventually James Booknight goes back to the bench, and then he has a string of games that he plays in January, at the end of January, mind you, where. Plays seven minutes, hits a couple of buckets against OKC, but they won by a large margin. So it was kind of garbage time. The real moment, like he plays against Toronto and goes six of 11 in that game. And he was really good. Problem is they lost by, you know, 12, but played 28, 29 minutes and and played well there. And I think that's the other game you kind of point to along with that Sacramento outing. And you're like, okay, those are the two games to look at really more so than some of the other ones um, as far as what he did good for the Charlotte Hornets this year. Yeah, and in terms of, I'll bounce off of that. What went right is that when he did play, he was super aggressive. And he looked very, especially on the offensive end, looked very comfortable out there, looked like an NBA player. Uh, I didn't question that, and I never questioned his desire to play, right? I mean, his desire is there, his want to is there, and there's a little bit of a flip side to that, right, which we'll get to in the second mm-hmm. segment, like his his desire, his his uh, aggressiveness on the offensive end um, can, can have a flip side uh, in terms of what went wrong for him this season. Um, but you're never going to question James Booknight and his desire to be a great player, uh, and, and again, we just have to see if he's going to realize that. Um, I'll point to maybe a couple of other things. So, you know, James Brego puts him in against Detroit February 11th. And then the next game against the Grizzlies. Uh, and then the next game against Grizzlies uh, February 12th. So it was a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Three of 11 each of those nights. So not necessarily very good. Did, <clears throat> excuse me, God, I'm struggling. <clears throat> Goodness gracious, I'm dying here. Yum. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was really, really gross. Um, but you look at James Booknight. Uh, free throw shots. I think he did pretty well from the line there. The one play I go to as well is his ability to play defense on Jordan Clarkson. Like there's just that one possession where Clarkson tries to take him ISO and he shuts down baseline and Clarkson hoists up a bad shot. And I, I just go back to that because I think book night was not a bad defender. Well, right. That months. one yeah. defensive position. I'm just saying, I'm just saying <laughs> if, if you look at the projection for what went right for book night, like, I think that is something you can look at and say, okay, how consistently can he do that? You know, mm-hmm. Clarkson pretty talented. ISO score and couldn't get by him in that moment. 
I think he was a good defender coming out of UConn, like I mentioned, right? Like he's got that athletic capability. He is a competitor in that sense. And so just when we talk about what maybe even could go right for the future, I think you saw some flashes there. No, I totally agree. Flashes. That would be, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, spark notes, whatever, cliff notes, however you want to say it. Uh, that would be the thing <laughs> on on his season. Flashes. You saw flashes of a player that didn't get uh, uh, as much of an opportunity as uh, certainly as he wanted. I think fans wanted to see more of him this season. Uh, and and we can talk about why in the in the second segment, why he didn't get that opportunity um, but because that's certainly what is part of what went wrong for him this season. Uh, but you saw flashes, no doubt. All right. You talked about it. Yep. You talked about it. We saw some of the flashes. We also saw some negatives of James book Knight. So coming up on the locked on Hornets podcast, we saw James book Knight not get a whole lot of playing time. And some of the negatives are actually his performance this year compared to other rookies that played that came out of the first round lots of productive rookies in some kind of capacity where book night kind of falls towards the end we'll get to that in just a moment but not before we talk about prize picks all right nba fans i know you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the nba you need to try the uh try the award-winning app prize picks it's a daily fantasy app made easy i love it i know you will too you pick two to five players and over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy it's safe it offers fast withdrawals you can use the award-winning app on both the app store and google play so there's no reason not to try this i'll tell you what for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users users get 50 dollars for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. You can sign up today and use code NBA $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, some of the negatives with book Knights rookie season. We'll talk about next on the locked on Hornets podcast. This is locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were, <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now, all of a sudden we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, I think some of the negatives for Book Knight comes with comparing him to the other rookies that came out of the first round. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean maybe we can play this game. Doesn't mean that you're taking Book Knight over every single one of these rookies I'm about to mention because things happen so quickly. You know, you see these guys emerge as second year players. I think some of this, like, I, I do want to talk about the Isaiah Thomas and Cody Martin aspect to this because you, you, at the beginning of the year, we talked about it. I thought book Knight at some point was going to be a contributor off the, off the bench offensively. I didn't think that he was going to come in and get a ton of minutes right away. I think James Borrego valued Cody Martin's defense enough, whether you think he, uh, Cody Martin was a good defender or not. We know that Borrego talked glowingly constantly about mm-hmm. Cody Martin's defense, and that was going to play a factor. Then Cody Martin started to become one of the best free, uh, three point shooters in the NBA off of his volume. And Borrego's not taking him off the floor in that scenario, which means James Booknight ain't seeing it. If Lamelo, Terry Rozier, Cody Martin 
Kelly Oubre in some spots are all going to play above book night, then he's just going to be the odd man out until you start to see COVID take a place and so, or, or take a place with this team. And so I'll, I'll let you talk from there, but that absolutely was a part of the calculus and how much playing time book night got or did not get. Yeah, so listen, this team is full of high-usage um, players. Uh, Miles Bridges needs the ball in his hands a lot. Terry Rozier needed the ball a lot. LaMelo Ball needed the ball a lot. Kelly Oubre needed the ball a lot. Cody Barton could make an impact on the offensive end of the floor and on the defensive end of the floor without needing the ball in his hands a ton. His usage uh, was 12.8% according to Cleaning the Glass. That's uh, 25th percentile in the league, low. And his points per shot attempt was 116.9, 72 percentile 72nd percentile in the league you essentially flip that with book night he needs the ball in his hands a lot his usage was 21 percent. that was uh, 59th percentile in the league and his points per shot attempt was down to 101.8 uh, that's 32nd percentile in the league and now I'm sure book night people that are fans of book night will will argue that he didn't get enough opportunity to really even those numbers out and I think that's that's a fair argument, but they also the team knows knew what book night was coming in, and and it probably just didn't quite fit with with the the roster that they had. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's 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 a couple of issues w- with book night when it comes to playing him in these situations. Number one is defensively. I, I mean, I'd just say he was a disaster. Like I just didn't feel like defensively. Um, it's not that he didn't make any impact. It's that I thought he legitimately made a negative impact that one particular Jordan Clarkson possession, <laughs> notwithstanding. I just thought I, that, there that, multiple- there's a picture of that hanging in my room, by the way, of just him cutting off baseline for Jordan Clarkson. That's how much. I yeah, thought. look, he, he you know, he was there was attention to detail kind of things, which you expect rookie mistakes, essentially gambles that he made uh, that, you know, we've seen LaMelo make, but LaMelo makes up for those gambles in so many other ways that James Booknight was not making up for those gambles, just mistakes on the defensive end. You know, you couple that with the fact that he needs to put on weight, right? I mean, like he's he's not strong enough uh, yet. Uh, and that really hurt him on the offensive end because you mentioned in the first segment he was elite at getting at the rim, and I agree with you. It was just that when he got there, he was just getting his, his ish blocked hmm. uh, so many times. There was a game against Memphis where – uh, I think he was blocked like five times by Jaron Jackson Jr. It was like it was just no contest. Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's just multiple issues there that resulted in, you know, when he did get opportunities, those opportunities quickly vanished. And there, I think there were legitimate reasons behind that 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 he will address in upcoming off seasons. Yeah, and, and he is a good finisher at the rim too. You're right. Like this year, he he didn't shoot well from the field at all. I mean, if we just talk about some of the stats, we didn't even get to just the simple stats, but. I mean, and he shot not even 35% this year. It was bad. You know, he shot 35% from three-point range. I, I mentioned the free throw shooting. It was good when he got to the foul line. And I think that's something he can do because he gets to the rim a lot. He's going to get fouled. I do think that you know, that's going to go, I even think, significantly up. You know, him actually finishing once he gets to the rim. You talk about a Jaron Jackson. I know there were other players, but also Jackson is just an amazing shot blocker. There's a reason he's like, one of the better defensive players in the league, but you're right, Doug, like there are reasons that Borrego felt unnecessary to go to book night before we move on to some of the other comparisons with this draft class. That leads me to go to Isaiah Thomas when they were looking for a backup point guard and Borrego <laughs> gave that interview saying Terry Rogier is our backup point guard right now. And you could tell he wasn't thrilled about it. And I was, wasn't either. I think it was time for them to get some backcourt depth. 
I thought James Booknight should have seen some time there. I know the Hornets were going towards the postseason, but the way that Isaiah had been playing, you know, having these stops with different NBA teams, playing in the G League, there was a reason he was available and hadn't stuck with the team. I thought that was the moment to at least let the leash a little bit longer on Booknight and see if he can work some stuff out, maybe get into a rhythm. But to Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets' credit, Isaiah Thomas comes in and... There were times where he was unplayable, <laughs> you know, the defense wasn't good and, and fair enough. Right. But there were also times where he really helped. And then you can go to the whole Terry Rozier aspect of the leadership, him really unlocking LaMelo like, and I think they formed a really nice bond. I, I bet they, you know, talk um, in some capacity the rest of your career because of how much they respect one another like that. So that it just felt like the breaks that book Knight could have gotten this season based off of, some some players you didn't think would take that time away from him eventually they did and that's just the way it it crumbled for the rookie and I get the frustration from Hornets fans not seeing them I mean we've we've become accustomed to seeing rookies make a big impact on this team but there's a reason for that it's because the team has not been very good um so you know when Mm -hmm. if you want to and it was that uh, time as this team gets better and 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 gets more veterans on the roster that can get them to the playoffs and hopefully win some playoff games and possibly a series, then you're going to see less impact just naturally from rookies, especially one that was drafted 11th and fell. Like Book Knight fell to the Hornets. There, there was a lot of talk about Book Knight going before that 11th pick, and um, he he didn't. Uh, and <laughs> just one, like, I just want to throw one random interesting thing. So when Book Knight uh, goes into Summer League, he immediately matches up with Davion Mitchell, That's who was right. drafted ninth by the Kings. And Davion Mitchell is sort of kind of a bizarro Book Knight in that he just like really excels on the defensive end, where, where Book Knight really is, is excelling on the offensive end. But Davion locked Book Knight up in one of those Summer League games. Um, and famously, like, I mean, it was, it was all over the highlight reel, how Davion really locked up, locked up book night. And then I looked at the stats just to see matchups this season, uh, and who put the most points on book night this season. Guess oh, who? No. no way. No way. Seven oh. points, seven points. This year. It was all in that, in that Kings game that we mentioned a great game for book night offensively, but Davion Mitchell put the most points on book night this season. <laughs> And I, it's, it's they're going to yeah. be they're like two of these players that might just be sort of interlocked uh, for all time. You know, if they both if they both uh, ascend up the ranks of of NBA players, they may just be linked forever. Uh, at least the good news is Book Knight had 24 points. So it would it, be awful. Again. It'd be awful if he had like five and off full shooting percentage and allowed that but at least he there's a bit of a revenge I think I I didn't look to see if Davion matched up against Book Knight in that game uh but it but it was a little bit of a revenge that Book Knight was able to get those 24 points against Davion Mitchell's Kings so comparing Book Knight to everybody that was drafted after him and even before him if you want to Doug like Book Knight scored the least amount of points from anybody selected in the top 11. James Booknight scored the least amount of points from anybody compared to anybody selected in the top 18. That's not true when you compare it to the top 19 because the 19th overall selection 
was Kai Jones, and Kai Jones is the first player in the first round you get to that scored less points this season than James Booknight, and they both so happen to play for the Charlotte Hornets. Now, just to provide full context and be fair, Jalen Johnson only scored 52. That was the 20th overall selection in this year's draft. Usman Garupa, he only scored 48. You had Jaden Springer score a grand total of two and appear in two games of Philadelphia. I will say that when you compare his point total this season to everybody in the first round, it is kind of surprising to see the 11th overall pick actually have the fourth lowest point total compared to everybody, like 30 guys <laughs> that were selected in the first round, like Dayron Char uh, Sharp, North Carolina alum, uh, scored more. Cam Thomas, Bones Highland, Quentin Grimes, Josh Christopher, Isaiah Jackson, Keon Johnson, like all those guys were selected after him. And... Book night didn't score as much. Again, different scenarios, different. It, it's it's why when we play the game, would you redraft some different players? Like it's a fun game, but you can get burned really badly on your one year sample size because mm -hmm. if, if you were to change back, right? I, I think Book Knight showed enough to where I'm not going to call him a bust by any means yet. I, there's enough talent here to where I'm very excited to see where this can go and the the other interesting thing about book night before we move on to some of the prospects in this year's class doug is you, he might be a player that is most affected by whatever this new head coach is going to be especially mm -hmm. with whatever new gm you know comes in if they especially if they trade terry rogier like if that's a thing that happens man talk about the breaks going in book night's way well, and so all of this is about opportunity, right? I mean, he didn't get enough opportunity this season because of the particular situation that he was under. And one of the things that went wrong for him this season, I think, is temperament. He didn't really handle it very well. He, he I mean, he handled it probably. He handled it like I would have handled it at 21 years old. You know, hot-headed and wanting, you know, aggressive, wanting to play and you know, wanting to help my team win. Like, so I don't. It's tough to fault him on a human level, but you expect professionals to act professionally and not try to stand up and and maybe fight your coach <laughs> like that's it's not what you really want to see uh, from yeah. uh, from anyone so uh that was a tough moment for book Knight this season um that that i'm sure he will will have to overcome but yeah looking ahead the hornets may have to sacrifice some of the shooting that they've accumulated over the past couple of years and trade that for defense and that wouldn't be a trade that I would fault them at all for. You've got some shooting talent on this team uh, in reserve, in book, in book night, some offensive talent at least. And I think that three-point percentage can improve for him. Um, so, you know, you can trade some of that offensive talent, bring in some defensive talent, and I think that will provide an opportunity for book night to see more floor time. Yeah, and just some quick house cleaning real quickly. It's not the – fourth lowest point total it was actually the sixth lowest point total a couple of the players that i mentioned important. there so i mean i know it's not important i just wanted to let everybody know that that was the case and i didn't want to mislead anybody with uh something i'm not i'm not sure that i would really i don't think honestly that i would draft any player i mean shingun obviously had a great season for the rockets trey mann is is a player that i think played really well probably on both ends for the thunder um, but I'm pretty close to sticking with Book Knight at the 11th pick because, again, I just go back to those flashes. Like, I see moments from him that I think, given the right opportunity, and, and I see the want to, you know, like, de definitely don't try to 
fight your coach because you're frustrated, but also, mm-hmm. hey, that's some moxie. That's some want to. That's some I, I want to really help this team just not handled well. So, you know, that's that's what I always question with Malik Monk. I don't question that with James Bugnight. You know, it's funny. You have to go to the second round before I hit my, oh, God, yeah, I would absolutely draft him before Booknight. That's Herbert Jones. You know, and, and so there's a lot <laughs> of players at fault. So the one player that probably would have immediately impacted oh, the yeah. Hornets, you know, because I, I don't think that there was – trying to look. I don't think there was a big, like, center talent that, you know, really it was well, – well, Shen- uh, oh, Yeah, Shen Goon, and then if you wanted to talk about Usman Garuba, who was, like, kind of your power forward, could play some small ball center, and he was more of a defensive player anyway. Um, again, Was Shen Goon great on D? I didn't really – I mean, I knew I mean, he's got a great passing ability, good, you know, good kind of offensive piece, but I, I don't – and watching enough Rockets basketball to know if he was a great well, that and that's piece. the point, right? Like I, I don't want to you know delve too much into it because I don't know everything 100 percent with all these other prospects. I do know that Shingun was not somebody that was considered great on defense. He was kind of the guy like yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of that athleticism, but he might be in the right spot. You know, we'll we'll see exactly how it takes place. Yeah, it was, it was well, well, we, well, there was some big Al comparisons, right? I mean, it was you know so yeah. I, I mean, it's really skilled. Yeah, so I again, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think that he would have immediately helped them become a better, you know, fill the one role that they need was, which was defensive center. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm comfortable even after all of the tribulation this year for James Booknight. I'm comfortable with the pick. I'm excited to see uh, if they don't trade him. Who knows? I mean, this offseason can get topsy turvy. We we're sitting here talking about it. Good point. His opportunity might be for another team. You never know. I mean, because everything's on the table, right? Like James Booknight could be the sweetener that allows you to you know, pull the trigger on whatever deal you might want to bring in uh, some established player. All right, bet online. Oh, coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast. I'm going to get that right at some point. Uh, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. And we're going to talk about the NBA draft, some of the prospects that could be going to the Charlotte Hornets. So maybe you want to play some kind of bet down on who the Hornets are going to select with any of those draft selections, a couple that they have in the first round. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts. Let's take a look at this year's NBA draft class coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he uh, uh, playing pretty well right now. <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, have you done a sim lottery today? Is that something that you plan on doing at some point? Or are we just kind of looking at mock drafts, maybe looking at some of the prospects that might fit with the Charlotte Hornets in this? Yeah, you know, we haven't really taken a look at mock drafts yet, which, you know, I love, except for Tankathon because I've really been. Mm -hmm. And this is how I'm really interested in, like, simming that that lottery early on until we find out exactly where the Hornets are going to be. I hope they, they strike gold again and, and launch themselves into uh, the top, you know, one to four selections. Um, although I'm scared of this Paolo Bancaro guy. I'm going to be honest. I'm looking more into this Bancaro guy. I'm scared the Hornets are going to fall to three or they're going to jump to three, I should say, um, and uh, be forced to take Bancaro and just these defensive numbers 
These defensive scouting reports are scaring me that they're just going to be forced to take a player that's not going to help them on the defensive end, even though it just seems like the obvious pick. Uh, but in terms of mock drafts, I'm looking at Kevin O'Connor here from The Ringer. He does not – He this is one of the few mocks that doesn't sort of – go with the conventional wisdom of like the Hornets obviously need a center. There are a few center Mm. prospects around the 13th and 15th selection. So the Hornets are going to take a center. Um, They Kevin O'Connor actually has the Hornets taking Dyson Daniels out of the G league ignite uh, group or is, is that what it's called? Is it the G league ignite? G league ignite. Yeah. Yeah. G League Ignite. Uh, so this is a guard, but it's a tall guard, 6'6", 19 years old, almost 200 pounds. This is a big dude. Getting some Derek White, Kyle Anderson, Evan Turner comparisons. And then at 15, uh, Kevin has them taking Tari Eason out of LSU, a forward, 6'8", 216, 21 years old, sophomore out of LSU. I'm actually going to uh, talk to Caroline Fenton pretty soon, the host of the Locked On LSU podcast about Tari Eason. So you'll see that conversation coming up, hopefully, later this week. Uh, But Tari getting some comparisons to Jay Sean Tate, Jeremy Grant, and James Johnson. But again, no center prospect from Kevin O'Connor in this latest mock draft. Man, you know know what's interesting, too? Like, I, I think, one, I'm excited to have some of these guests on to help us break down the prospects that are going to potentially be there for the Charlotte Hornets. But... I mean, Doug, Evan Mobley was the pipe dream once upon a time, and that was that was never going to happen after we saw the Hornets finish where they did because LaMelo was the catalyst for this team, and he's the one that shot the Hornets way up, really even out of contention to get a top two, top three pick. Eventually, Cleveland is able to land in Evan Mobley. This is the year where you actually can make that play for a couple of what I think are good center prospects. You know, they're not Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's elite. He was awesome this year. Um, Many people think he should have won rookie of the year. But like that Jalen Duran from Memphis or Mark Williams, who has that high standing reach, who was so defensively dominant down low, being able to protect the rim. Like those guys are good prospects that the Hornets can either package to trade up for, or there are are a lot of scenarios where maybe one of them actually falls to the Charlotte Hornets. And you could actually take one guy like that, keep a first round pick. I just think this year where the center prospects line up compared to where the Hornets are selecting, I I think it just matches a lot better. Like even in Anyeka Kongwu, remember, like we tried to force that and I I liked it at the same time. It would have been too early at three where the Hornets were picking and eventually they take LaMelo. So, you know, point is moot at that point, but still like it just lines up with where the centers are supposed to go a lot better this year. So in this mock draft by Kevin O'Connor, he has Jalen Duren at eight and he also has Jeremy Sochan uh, 11 out of Baylor. I'm also going to talk to the host of Locked on Baylor, uh, Drake Toll, who will give us some insight into uh, Jeremy. Uh, so both of those out of the Hornets reach. But here's what's interesting to me is that Kevin has Mark Williams mocked at 17 and he has Walker Kessler, another defensive center who's getting some Jared Allen, Jakob Pertle, <laughs> and we've heard – you know, a lot of a lot of people around the the Hornets fandom wanting the Hornets to make a move, possibly for Pirtle to add some of that defensive center presence. But Walker Kessler sitting at twenty four, 
So we, you know, th- there's an opportunity because the Hornets have the 13th and the 15th pick. I think there's both an opportunity to move up, possibly mm-hmm. to look at a Duren or a Sochan if, if that's where his draft stock ends up being outside of the, you know, up above the 13 range. But there's just a, an equal opportunity to trade back down get your guy in Mark Williams or Walker Kessler if that's who they're targeting and pick up some additional talent defensively, whether that be somebody who can help you perimeter defense or a veteran um, center who can help you immediately, whereas you'd have some questions about that with both Walker Kessler and Mark Williams. How, how plug and play exactly are they? That's a big question. So you could trade down, possibly pick up a veteran. Lots of opportunities here for the Hornets. Yeah, there is. And even a guy like a Christian Coloco for Arizona, like I, I looked at him and I was like, wait, why is this guy not being projected? I remember why him in the Pac-12 tournament. Wait, why is this guy not a top a lottery pick right now? You know, you look at some of these mocks to have him like in the 20s. I mean, I'd love to have a Coloco. You know, he's 7-1, he's 230, he's mobile. Now, maybe you want to point to that second round matchup. I think it was against Colorado State where, yeah, he gets bodied because they have one dude who weighs like 280 down low. Yeah, that's a problem. I get it. But I mean, there's you can see that sometimes in D1 basketball. You know, Coloco still was a impact player in that game. I, I would be interested in maybe, you know, taking a late round flyer or just depending on where he dropped. Here's where the problem comes in. Now you have so many young centers. Like, what are you going to do with them all? You know, we just got rid of Vernon Carey, Nick Richards, Kai Jones. Now you have, you know, Mark William. Well, you on hope one eventually you know, like, hits. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, you know. And to okay. be fair, like Richards and, you know, Richards and Carey and all that. I mean, these were players that you were taking flyers on and hoping uh, they were low yeah. risk, hoping that one would hit, and they just didn't. And, uh, you know, you know and you th- can this would be an investment Richards, in a first round like, player that you really expect to make an impact. Yeah. And, and you can move off of Richards, too. And it, it seems like Bere- I think you saw Borrego do that, you know, that he gave Richards a shot more than he gave Vernon Carey, more than he gave Kai Jones because he was still a project like Richards was the guy that could have come in as a younger center and taken that himself and couldn't do it and and didn't instead. Borrego still rolls with Mason Plumley, still rolls with, you know, PJ Washington down low and then JT Thor here and there, but also can just kind of move all over the place. So, uh, yeah, all right, I'm ready. Still the name. You're, you're, I'm ready. I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. Are you ready for, what, what are you ready for? The mock, the, the lottery? I figured. Yeah, let's <laughs> I see him. That. I didn't know what lottery. you were ready for. I was like, are you ready for the end of the show? You want me to toss it? All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. You ready? Yeah, Are you ready? Run it. I'm, I'm ready. ready. Yes. Ready? Now I'm ready. Now I'm okay, ready. Let's great. go ahead Here and roll with it. Oh, that said Hornets. Ready to get it? It's happened again. This has moved happened up, twice. Moved up. See, the fourth position I would be comfortable with because then Paolo yeah. is almost guaranteed to be taken and I think is guaranteed to be taken in the top three. So you don't want – you're like out on Paolo now. I'm not out, like I think I think if you have the opportunity to draft him and he, and he's sitting there then I think you're you're not you got to figure out a way to make all of that work but yes in terms of immediate impact kind of player the defense and I'll talk to I'm, I want to talk to JJ Jackson maybe we need to get our guy uh Richard Stamen who is our Cody Zeller look alike at the <laughs> at the Zeller family reunion who we've had on he's our draft expert we've had him on many times need to get him on too and and talk through some of this stuff with Bancaro that scares me. There's the defensive effort stuff um, that that hasn't gone away. But all right, so let's talk about this lottery that we just sent. 
Detroit yeah. moves up two spots. They get the number one pick. Washington moves up eight spots. They get the number two pick. Indiana moves up two spots. They get the number three pick. Charlotte lands in the fourth spot. And, of course, they still have their 15th. So according to the mock draft that Tankathon has – that would put them in position to take a Jaden Ivey. I, I do love Jay. I I know I know about the backcourt right now. I love. Yeah, you're Jayden really Ivey. not solving anything there. I I know, but Jaden Ivey. I mean, he's so smart. He's so good. Like if I mean, I I love him, Doug. Like he's he's probably my favorite player just in the draft. I I just think he's very very good and. I wouldn't mind the Hornets taking them. I just wouldn't like just draft good players, but here's something interesting real quickly. Mm -hmm. I do think if you do have this scenario play out, then you're talking about moving up to possibly select Chet Holmgren. That's, that's the play because now you have the fourth overall selection. Chet's not going to fall that far. He could go to maybe three, you know, and two is an absolute possibility. So it's four and 15, and then, you know, something book night, whatever, you know, you yeah. have to put some more that that would get you in play to move up for Chet Holmgren, which I think that has to be the now we're talking. Yeah, now we are talking mm-hmm. or yeah, again, or packaging all of that to, you know, packaging four and 15 to move back to a, con- you know, a contending team that may have some depth at the center position that you can bring back a big time player. I don't know. Um, you know, yeah, four puts you in play for a lot. You know that it, you could even that could be somewhat of a selling point to uh, for a for a veteran center out there that you might want. You know that <laughs> thirteen and fifteen that's not going to get you an established really good center or really good player. Four and fifteen could now now you're in play where that's kind of tantalizing for some other franchise because three I think both three and four are awkward for them to draft a player in those positions. One, you know, two. One is obvious. You you draft Chet Holmgren and you get out of there. Two is interesting, right? Because then you're, you know, is, is the team in front of you a team that could really use the services of Jabari Smith? Because I think it's pretty locked in at this point. Jabari and Chet, as though I haven't seen any mocks that don't well, have those two. No, I've seen some. Like here, here's because here's the example, right? You go to Houston, who's at number one. We've gone through this a couple, maybe once before when the Hornets. Now this is up. now this. I should say the mock draft that I have up right now is just the baseline mock draft. But right. in our sim, it was Detroit and then Washington. So, and I don't think either one of those teams would move off. I mean, you know, Washington has Daniel Gafford, who I love, but also it's it's not going to prohibit you from drafting a home grin if you want him. Houston might be deterred from drafting Chet because they have Christian Wood, they have Alperin Shengun, they have an Usman Garuba, you know, they have a, a couple of big guys down there. So maybe, you know, Orlando, I they've got Wendell Carter. I, you know, they're going to move on from Mo Bamba. I don't know if they would be, you know, they wouldn't stop, you know, drafting Chet Holmgren. Just, I, I do think that some people are really scared of Holmgren's slight frame. And I, I, I don't know if he's like a slam dunk number one pick. I do think he's in play. And, and if he falls to a two, then that's when Charlotte could pounce and try to make that move. So that would be interesting. That's that. I like love four? the NBA draft. We are, are we, getting closer. I think we just are like, are we 40% hit rate now on getting within the top five? We've done this like five, six times and we've gotten up there twice. It's unreal. I'm telling you, only a 4.8% chance for Charlotte to be top four 
a 1% chance of being number one overall in 14 days, 9 hours, 20 minutes, 27 seconds, 26 seconds, 25 seconds. We will find out where the Charlotte Hornets land in the lottery, and I couldn't be any more excited. We've got player capsules coming at you all week long. We are going to continue to talk about the NBA draft. We will also take a look at some coaching candidates for the Charlotte Hornets. There is a lot to get to regarding this franchise because this offseason is as important as any in recent memory. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you make your second listen locked on NBA from the first jump ball, the play in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. We'll be back with you tomorrow on the Locked on Hornets podcast.